Hello, and welcome to The Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick. With me, as always, is my co-host, Luke Bailey. And this week, we have uh, some exciting news. We have a new producer slash editor slash person whose fault it is if the show doesn't sound very good. And that's uh, Alan Habercheck. Alan, say hello. Uh, hi. Hi, Alan. <laughs> Great. Th- th- I love the energy that you're bringing to this show. I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast with a producer listening in before. <laughs> I- like I feel oddly, I feel like I'm being like graded. One time, I tried to edit the show in front of Luke, and he had a full-on fit. Like he had a physical. Okay. No, no, no. Fit. Right, that is because you you have don't have any hearing anymore, so yeah. you listen to it at like max out volume level. Like if you listen to it quietly, not a problem, fine. But you listen to it at like full blast, and I was just like, "What? Are you, like, this is ridiculous." All of the best audio engineers know that you're supposed to mix everything at the highest possible level, and then you just turn it down. That's what all the pros do. Okay, um, so why 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 do you then do the same thing when you're staying in my house? Actually, in this room, when you stay in this room yeah. that I record in, and you have like a phone call with someone, and yeah. you're yelling, and there are like three shut closed doors between us, and I can still hear every word of what you're doing. And what's worse, I can hear the person on the other end of the phone because you've turned them up so loud because you're mostly deaf. Um, no, 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 I forgot to tell you this. Look, I'm American. So before we move on to the the topics at hand this week, which is we're going to be talking about the collapse of the digital advertising market, which is a nice light topic to go through, and I'm sure is will be very fun. Um, Alan, what's your sign, and what was your COVID era hyperfixation that took up too much of your free time? Well, I'm a Libra, and my COVID era hyperfixation was, and kind of still is, Norse era mythology, history, and lore. So Viking stuff. So much so that on a recent trip to Norway with my family, I actually went to a Viking longhouse Lord's Dinner reenactment where I actually got COVID again from a group of German tourists. That is good. That is a really good hyperfixation. Like that is very close to mine. Yeah. You guys have very similar weird man obsessions. So that's that's great. As always, to kick off the show, I'm going to ask you, Luke, a very simple question, which is, uh, how is the internet this week? The internet, the British internet has been in, I don't know if it's more or less meltdown than the British economy, but it's been a similar amount. And it's been... It's been bad. So I, I've been trying to follow this because I follow a lot of British journalists and British journalists, I think, are even more so than American journalists, love to not explain the full idea of what they're talking about ever. Does your country still have money? Like, are you out of money? What happened? Okay, so what essentially happened is that, you know, the overall economic problems that every country is dealing with post-pandemic are quite bad. We got a new prime minister in. She had to, like, she went to see the Queen. The Queen died two days later. She had 10 days <laughs> yeah. of mourning. And then she announced her first raft of new policies, which crashed the economy. <laughs> which What were the policies? I don't... So that's what no one has explained. It's like, what, what was it? Okay. The policies were essentially... She essentially announced a series of unfunded revenue cuts. 
So they were tax cuts, both the corporate tax, both the high rate of income tax, but also a bunch of spending to keep energy bills down. Because our energy bills, like I know they're bad there, but our energy bills are like back through the roof. Like, yeah, real problems. So they announced a bunch of like policies to kind of rein those in, which is a lot of money. Well, when they announced them, they then didn't announce how they were going to pay for them, like at all. Oh. And then also, not only did they say, hey, this is what we think we're going to do, we're going to do it calmly. They said, this is a new era. This is the, the policy going forward. We are not going to do anything except this sort of thing constantly for the next, at least the next two years and ID the next seven. Everyone went like, oh, that's bad. And every market freaked out. That would be the mistake, I think, is is immediately saying that this is the way it's going to be for seven years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, te- technically, there's an election probably in two years if she makes it that far. Yeah, I love how quick your country has just gotten it being like, all right, new prime minister, like, let's do votes and no confidence. Let's get her out of here. Well, she was super unpopular because of the way it works. Like, she got, she didn't get a majority of her MPs to vote for her. Only the Tory members did. So technically, even her own party, who would be voting her out, a vote, doing a vote of no confidence in her, did not have confidence in her to start with, which is bad. That is bad. I would say that's the opposite of what you would want. Yes, she's done all this. They have disappeared entirely. They're refusing to speak to anyone until, I mean, recording this Wednesday, so if you're in the UK, she is going to speak on local radio in the (laughs) Northeast tomorrow, (laughs) which is the first time she's come out of hiding since this all happened. Oh, man. Well, I wish your country well. I hope you guys figure out how to heat your own homes and get money back. Oh, no, no, uh, no, it's fine. We're not going to need to because everyone's going to lose their homes. Well, that's it. That's an easy hack is like, yeah. why well, have to pay for heating your house if you don't have one? Well, I would like to talk about a financial matter in the U.S. now. All right. Which is what teenage millionaire Mr. Beast is doing to psychologically <laughs> torment his viewers. So you and I both watched this video. This video, I want to get the title right, because I'll confess, I have not actually sat down and watched a whole Mr. Beast video before, and I did not sit down and watch this whole thing. But I skipped, skipped through it. it enough. I skimmed it quite a bit. Because Mr. Beast videos kind of look like an advertisement for a show that doesn't exist, but it's just the advertisement for 17 minutes. So it's it's really taxing to watch. Anyways, the video is titled Survive 100 Days in Circle, Win $500,000, which, I mean, just the whole premise. It's a man who has to live in a field in a little house for, for 100 days, and he wins half a million dollars. I think this is the most horrifying thing I've ever watched in my entire life. What did you think about this video? I thought it was basically fine. (laughs) Hold on. Before we jump into this, I have to fact check. Mr. Beast is not, in fact, a teenager. He is a 24-year-old adult man, which is, I think, an important thing to just put in context. I I do want to continue referring to him as teenage millionaire Mr. Beast, but that's fine. (laughs) He's 24 years old, yes. And he does not appear to have anything close to resembling human empathy at this point he is just shark willy wonka eyes he is a, he's a nightmare person so i have i have watched this like when he first had that spike like the kind of the post miss squid game spike i went back and like watched a bunch of his stuff because i was like he is probably the most successful content creator in the world right now and i was like i want to reverse engineer this because that's what i do for fun yeah you're sick in the brain yeah and there's a lot of bits in there that are really really interesting like if you watch any of his videos he sets up the entire premise the whole thing in the first seven seconds he has at least one scene change by the time you have 10 seconds and he has at least three scene changes by the 40 seconds you can like set your watch by it. it's like incredible how well he sets it up to try and get people through to the end like you know often the bit between like 10 seconds and 20 seconds is him going this is a crazy video we have a boat we have a car we have a plane we have all this stuff as he's like running out of a building or something what he has also discovered is that giving away money is the most effective way to get people to watch which we know like if you put a number in something in the in the headline of something or a number in a fact it does much better than if you don't because like people can 
like really it's discrete numbers and people can really relate to them with one exception i've discovered by accident oh yeah i cannot put a number in the subject line of garbage day interesting spam filter takes it right out wow yeah that is good okay and that in the phrase feet picks i learned that sure. also doesn't do well <laughs> sure 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 line. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think he is completely masked. Even his thumbnails, the best thumbnails are one that reach towards the point of view of the viewer. Yep. And in this one I'm looking at is Mr. Beast looking like, I don't know, like like someone kicked the shit out of him, but he's in a circle in a field reaching towards the camera. So like he, he's figured it out perfectly. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's done all this. And I'm going to say a couple of like extra bits of context that I gleaned from some of his other videos. When you watch his other videos, it very, very rarely when you watch the whole thing, comes across as cruel. So to take an example, there was one that he did that was, it was like the last person to get out of the circle wins. It was less than that. It was like maybe $100,000 or something. But an awful lot of people who got out of the circle, he like gave free stuff to. So they'd get out of the circle after a day and he'd be like, oh no, you got out of the cir- circle. Here's a TV. Here's a PlayStation 4. Like he would give stuff away. So it, it always comes across as like not a winning competition to see who gets through but it's very much a he is giving a lot of stuff away and he doesn't promise it but the further you get through the more stuff you get so it does always come across as like generous rather than anything else the second half of it if is if i am this guy i would do that for five hundred thousand dollars i would i would eat a human being for half a million dollars good i would good. let mr beast film me eating a human being for okay. half a million dollars so 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 why why are we complaining like so, okay, I hold on. I went back through Mr. Beast's earlier videos because of a question I got asked in the Garbage Day Discord, which is basically like, where did Mr. Beast come from? And I had completely forgotten. He started as a Minecraft guy. Nope. He started as just a guy who was making as many YouTube videos as he could. And you go back to his early, early stuff, and it is all over the place, including the stuff that he deleted. Oh, I see what you mean. His, okay, his, yes. His first hit was saying Logan Paul's name 100,000 times. Yes. And then he starts doing videos where he's reverse engineering how much money he thinks famous YouTubers are making, including Logan Paul and PewDiePie. Yeah. And he is clearly just figured out, as you said, that like giving away money makes money, which is one of the like oldest traditions of like at least American television. Like we have a we have a famous movie called Quiz Show about the massive scandals around like American Quiz Show. I think it's yeah. called Quiz Show. I was even taught that movie in college in media courses because it was such a huge deal for American media. And he has clearly just done the arithmetic of like, if I give away ten thousand dollars in a stunt, that stunt can produce a video that makes twenty thousand dollars. Now this is the most insane thing is that he loses money on most of his videos. He is deranged in a very specific way. In <laughs> like is... Willy Wonka. Yeah. No, well, there was a video of him as Willy Wonka. Oh, that's but right, no, yeah. He was, he, he's, he's deranged in a very specific way, which is that he really, really cares about making, quote-unquote, the best YouTube videos ever, which are the YouTube videos that are watched by the most people. That's what he cares about beyond anything else. And as a result, what he kind of figured out, what he, he has basically like five or six different channels. So he has like a, a Beast Reacts channel where he just films himself reacting. That much more efficient to, to do so he takes the money from that to put into the main channel puts the brand deals in to get up enough money so that it's a, an interesting amount to then put in a video that they can actually then film i see he has spoken to a lot of people and like there have been people who have been shown his finances and they're like hey you lose money on most of these videos and he's like yeah i know it's, it's weird shouldn't do that but he is spending all of the money on the content i have heard stories 
whispers that he is desperately trying to work with Netflix and Netflix has routinely turned him down. I don't know if that's totally accurate, but it seems right. He has, he, he has said publicly that he has spoken to Netflix multiple times and they're uninterested in working with him and he isn't that bothered because he's most interested in YouTube. Interesting. Well, I have no, I noticed that like there's like a fake ad break in this most recent video. Yeah, which is again, another incredibly smart hack. What he does <laughs> is as some action's happening, he uses that moment to do an ad read. So speaking of that, I want to, before we move on, I would like to play right here the most insane thing I've ever watched in a YouTube video. This is Mr. Beast demolishing the house that a man has lived in for 100 days. And as the house is being demolished, Mr. Beast turns to the camera and advertises for Venmo. You have less than 24 hours left in this circle. So we're going to destroy your house with a wrecking ball to make it harder. What? Chris! What? Tear down the house. All right. And while Chris is destroying the house, I want to tell you guys about the sponsor of the video, Venmo. Yeah! Venmo is a quick and easy way for you to share money with all your friends. Tens of millions of people already use Venmo to securely send and request money from their friends for things like concert tickets, food, and much more. And the best part of all this is Venmo is free to install, and all our viewers that use code MrBeast at sign up will get $20 if it's your first time using Venmo. And this time we're going through! Just use this QR code or click the link in the description to install Venmo right now. And it doesn't stop there. If you send money on Venmo and put Beast in the payment note, you'll be entered into a chance to win $10,000. Yeah. And that's how he has the money to make the thing. So as we're talking about a unified theory of content, you texted me something and then didn't explain what you were talking about. You said you wanted to talk about Dua Lipa, the singer. Yeah, I... The people who are trapped in this content world, like we all know sure. it is, it is, it is, it is hell. It is like being a minor. I assume, you know, it's a little bit worse, actually. Like it's like being I a minor in the 1930s. Yeah. It's more painful for sure. Yeah. Dua Lipa for some reason has become a content producer and I don't understand why. In what way? She has a newsletter. She has a podcast. What? She has, she does Twitter spaces. She has like a whole website thing. It's bizarre. That's that is bizarre. I didn't realize that Dua Lipa was a colleague of mine, a fellow newsletter writer. That's interesting. Yeah. Another thing that her and I have in common. It's called Service Ninety Five. Oh, I remember this. She has a YouTube channel as well. So why though? Oh, and she does Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Well, that that's the one that's the most confusing. A newsletter for a musician, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like especially if you're like advertising tours or whatever. Fine, whatever. The Twitter Spaces thing doesn't make any sense to me. Why is she doing that? I don't know. Like, I don't know why. I only I even noticed because I was on Twitter at the time and it came up at the top. And I was like, oh, who's doing that Twitter space? Because usually it's another, like, an outlet. And I'm like, oh, it's interesting. They're starting Twitter spaces. And I was like, oh, it's, it's Dua Lipa. That is surprising to me. That is very surprising. I find Dua Lipa's music similarly optimized in a weird way where it feels like... So, like, many years ago, there was this joke where it was like Selena Gomez is the best-selling pop star of the moment, but no one could name a single song by Selena Gomez. And like the hack that she had done essentially was figure out how to make music that could be very easily pumped into department stores. And I feel like Dua Lipa has taken that to the next level. Like both her and Harry Styles have sort of figured out that you can make more money by not really producing songs with hit, like hit songs, not like, like hooky songs, but like, Dua Lipa makes music that's optimized to shop at River Island. Like she's like a British high street soundtrack. Like like she's top shop. Well, no, but that's the that's the thing though, because she is kind of like what like a she's like a tier two pop star. Like she's not Taylor Swift or Adele. She's like a tier below that, right? She's on the same level as like I don't know, like 
like Miley Cyrus or something. You think Miley Cyrus is a tier two pop star? What are you talking about? She's 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 she changed everything. What are you talking about? She's not she's an era defining musician, Luke. In terms of in terms of like fake current <laughs> existing fake, oh, like well, how big is how big is the stadium that they could fill how consistently? I think Dua Lipa. I think Dua Lipa is is probably a tier. Two, I guess. Yeah. If, if right. Taylor Swift is tier one, then she would be tier two. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Which means it's like far too big to then faff around with a podcast and a <laughs> newsletter and a Twitter spaces thing. Like, I mean, there's a very, there's a very honest, there's a very like simple explanation here, which is that she may have the same void in her soul that we have in ours and that she needs to fill that with digital content. I just, maybe I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's, it's, it's impossible to. Anyway, the most recent guest that she had on her podcast was Monica Lewinsky. So, sure. It, is, is Dua Lipa, like, did she become a pop star cause, so she could get into digital media? Like, is that what's happening? Is, like, is she going to, like, intern for Vogue? Like, is I, that I what kind of feel is? like that's her direction. She's doing, like, a, a Kanye thing, but for being a, a, a content producer or finally she can just She could just be one. Like she didn't have yeah. to become a pop star. You can, we just did this. You don't have to like be good at anything or be talented. I'm just skimming through her newsletter now. And it's like a few things written by other people, a few things apparently written by her, but it's just like, Hey, here's some art. I like Here's a really interesting, like bit of architecture that I'm interested in. It's, I mean, it is kind of reminiscent. It's reminiscent to me of Taylor Swift's Tumblr a little bit where it's like, why does she have that? And like, she just has that because she has to post. Like she just loves to post, right? But that was like that was like clear fan engagement though. Like she no, was... no, 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 no. She just she's just on there. In fact, most of the engagement is her just liking posts. She doesn't really even like. She's clearly just lurking and using it. Okay, but she's liking her fans' post, which is not fan always. engagement. Not always. Okay, fine. I'm telling but you, mostly... she's the real deal. But uh, yeah, but my point is like I understand that because it's a relatively low way to stay in contact with your hands. I don't understand this. This is like a lot of effort to produce the thing that, like, her newsletter has like six thousand like followers on Twitter. Like, it's not. It's not like it's blowing up. I, 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 don't I would say it's very likely that in a couple of months she announces that she's going to put a man in a circle on a field and then film herself psychologically tor- tor- torturing him. <laughs> That's what's next for her. She's going to pivot to full. Twitch streamer, caddy your headphones, just like do the whole thing. She's like, look, look, man, I have done worse jobs for less money than standing and sitting in a field for a hundred days. Oh, so. I thought you were gonna say then being Dua Lipa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have also. That's definitely true. All right. So when we say that the online advertising market is collapsing, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And how bad is that? It means no one wants to take out digital ads anymore. And is that true? Because I saw I saw two people on Twitter fighting about this literally today where one guy was like, actually, we're selling a lot of stuff. The other guy's like, everyone's (sighs) okay. It's definitely a thing. Like it is a thing that is happening. There's a lot of like factors to it the big one is the pandemic and the digital ad market went way up because everyone was inside there's no point in spending on you know out of home and stuff like that so they just kind of poured a load of money into digital advertising and also people had bizarrely 
kind of disposable income during that first like three to nine months because right. they were locked down, no they were going doing anywhere. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, in the UK, everyone was on well, everyone, a chunk of people were on furlough, so they were getting paid and not really doing anything and not spending anything. So yeah, they just spent on other stuff. And the digital advertising market was like really really ticking so part of it is just kind of an adjustment to that because as with everything that happened in the pandemic everyone assumed well that'll happen forever now and it turns out that's that's not been true about anything so like it kind of you know tracked back a bit and people spending on other stuff so like okay fine you've also got the inflation stuff in there so it's just less people have less money to spend so advertising gets less efficient because it's, it's hard to make people buy things and then you also have the kind of the really interesting one, which is the, the app tracking stuff, it's a particular thing on iOS, but it's it's in a bunch of other places that it's just now harder to track things. So we're kind of reverting to the old school. I know which I know a half my advertising spend is wasted. I just don't know which half. So that's kind of like the three big causes. Uh, to to kind of like put a bow on the app tracking thing, just to make sure people understand what we're talking about. So when Apple released basically like that very simple alert, you'll see that says like. Do you want this app to track you? Yes or no? The addition of that alert <laughs> as of February of this year wiped out $10 billion for Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is where it gets really big. This is where it like starts to really matter because it has really, really hit big tech. Because we can talk about what big tech companies are, but they are almost all an advertising company. Like right. Meta is the world's largest advertising platform. Well, no, it's second largest after Google, but it is it is essentially a very, very large advertising platform that doesn't really do anything else when you get down to it. And so, yeah, as soon as the ads become harder to sell and there's less of them, it is in big trouble. The same thing for Snap. Snap was really badly hit. Yes. I'm trying to remember the exact numbers there. Uh, no, it was bad. Snap. When I was, I was researching a story for Snap like last month and they were doing really, really well. And then the the app tracking stuff, uh, on top of other things, just sort of took the feet out from underneath them really badly. And when you talk about like what a platform is, what I think is really interesting right now to look back on, and I, I've been sort of noodling about this myself because I've been reading a lot about like the the downswing of the, of the podcasting market at the moment, which is tied to this. There's this weird scam, in my opinion, that is played by companies like Facebook and. The extent to which these platforms were basically just like, what if a phone book was a shopping mall full of ads has really kind of unraveled, especially as other parts of those sites decay. Because like what Facebook can offer advertisers is a bunch of people who are trapped in there, like a bunch of bugs under a rock. But if the bugs leave the rock or they're becoming less interested in hanging out under the rock, like it's much harder to you know, to sell ads to them, and and the fact that the the backup app that Facebook has, Instagram, is also kind of wobbly. Meanwhile, yeah. TikTok, which is a terrible ad platform, uh, in fact, I've heard that like literally parts of the site are just like a flat rate ad buy. Like you can just buy an ad at like the top of the search results, and like it's just it's one person in there for everybody. Like global ad buy, which is crazy. I'm going to interject here just to say I've been on TikTok for three years and I've never seen an ad there on are. TikTok. Never yes, one have. time. Never yes, one have. time have I been yes, served an ad. No, you I don't have. think I, I have. For a fact you have because you don't know their ads, but they you can you can buy placement. Well, this this actually is the next thing which has really kind of started to eat into traditional marketing, which is influencer marketing, which is spend that's going out, but it's not spend that is tracked in the same way. It, it's, it's broadly cheaper. Like It is cheaper to get 10 million eyeballs through 
paying influencers to post your handbag than it is to get 10 million eyeballs through putting it on pre-roll ads on YouTube. I mean, so, okay. I remember where I was the first time I heard the term nano influencer. And I remember just thinking like, oh my God, like we're like, this is hell. Like we live in hell. I was at, I think I was at VidCon in like 2018 or 19. I had heard micro influencer and I was like, okay, like that's fine. I get that. Like, you know, someone with like 10 to 20,000 followers, you pay them to like advertise your dildo or like your galaxy lights or whatever. Fine. Yeah. The idea of a nano influencer, like someone with under 10,000 followers is such like a cynical, but also extremely clever way of flooding a zone. And I feel like once that started to be a thing and also you don't have to give a cut of that to a platform. Like, I think yeah. that like more of these platforms should have seen the writing on the wall and been like, oh, like we're, we're, we're screwed. But there's, there's another problem here, though, which is that it's not just nano influences, it's nano buyers, because all of these platforms have come up with self-serve situations like Facebook is very good at it. Google's very good at it. Like if you are a independent shoe seller in a small British town, which I can't remember the name of one right now, uh, and you're trying you can't to remember the name of a small British town. Right no, now? they've all they've uh, they've all gone out of my head. <laughs> Durham is that small? No, that's 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 big. But yeah, okay, you're in a small little British town. That's Huddersfield. 10, Stop naming big towns. Is it big? Is Huddersfield big? I, I think it's also a city. As is Durham, actually. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you are a small. Okay. I, I, I do it in whatever. Just, I'm getting distracted by the names of small towns. <laughs> Okay, so you're in your small town, you're selling your shoes, and you are putting, you know, 200 quid into into Google Ads and 200 quid into Facebook Ads, very nicely targeted in the area to people who are living right around your shop, and it's all very simple and easy to do. But, you know, if the your energy bills go up and everything else goes up, you start to, like, wind that back. But when you're, a, you know, a small business, you know, 30 years ago, you don't have as much control over that. It's kind of on or off. So more, a lot of them... You know, if you need your one radio out a month, you probably just don't do it. But you also don't do it in the same. You got there's no like always on advertising, which you can kind of do now, because you just it's expensive to do one slot, so you do one slot, and then six months later you do another slot, and six months all that stuff. But Facebook really relies, and Google to an extent, really relies on these kind of very small advertisers. That's kind of its like bread and butter. It doesn't make up a huge proportion of its income, but it's a significant bit, and that all goes because all of those companies are now running out of money for other reasons because the environment's just hard so they also lose that stuff as well as the big ad spenders being like well i can't do this stuff i know what you mean so like in a very small way i started like in a, uh, about a year ago I, with some friends i started an event company and we do like live events in new york they're pretty fun you should come if you're listening but we have one in october and then luke and i will be doing one in, in london in november anyways maybe maybe we should do a leap to it we should invite Dua Lipa. She's a poster. What are, what are those events called, Ryan? We'll get to that at the end of the episode, Alan, but thank you. That's a very good prompt. You're doing a great job. So We're not going to listen to you when you do that good prompt, but thank yeah, you for, great job. for the prompt. Uh, we wanted to advertise our events, and we don't want people... like. The, there's not a lot of people who use Facebook events anymore, and there was never really an Instagram equivalent for events. So we were like, okay, how do we do this? We used some newsletters we knew. We used Twitter. Uh, and we wanted to put a little ad spend on it just to see what we could get. So we bought a we we promoted a tweet, and the impressions on the tweet are great. The click through is garbage because tw of course Twitter like that's how it works, right? Like you can get a lot of retweets or even views, but you can't really get people to actually click over. 
So we tried Facebook and we micro targeted to New York City with a couple interests, you know, people who are, who like this or that. And it was really dark because like it worked insanely well. Uh, we were able to, we, we put like a UTM there and we were able to like literally see that we paid X amount of dollars for people to buy X tickets, which then gave us X amount of dollars back. And like, you can totally see an entire process where that works. And I will not name the media companies who do this, but I know of several who have done the arithmetic of like, we want subscribers. If we have X amount of subscribers, we can sell X amount of ads for X amount of dollars. So let's invest X amount of money into Facebook ads to get X amount of subscribers. And like, they just do the whole equation, similar to Mr. Beast, actually. Brian, you're describing the process of advertising. Yeah. That is what everyone has done. Automakers do the math on how much a car costs to produce, how much yeah. they make from it, how much they need to spend, and how much they then spend on advertising. What are you talking about? You're doing this like this is a dark secret. I've never heard of that before. You've never <laughs> heard of the concept of advertising before. Jesus Christ, I've, man. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> how do so you think how have you always thought advertising works up until now? So you, are you saying that like I could sit down and be like, I want X amount of subscribers on garbage day? to give me X amount of money, and so I'll invest Y amount of money into advertising to get that X. I'm sorry, I have to interject here. Ryan has discovered the concept of cost per <laughs> yes. acquisition or like cost per customer. <laughs> no, he asked, he asked me this months ago. He was like, hey, the people are doing ads. And I was like, definitely don't do a CPA deal. Like, if anyone to get obviously that, don't touch it. Do a fixed cost model. I don't know what model you do now, but- I do fixed yeah. cost. I do a flat yeah. rate, yeah. All right. If you know that, for example, <laughs> the average subscriber joins your your thing is let's say 10 pound to make the math easier the average subscriber spends 10 pound a month on your newsletter you want them to they churn out rough on average after nine months so you're going to get 90 pound from them so you can spend up to 90 pound on one getting one ad one user in and you're still going to get money back for from them you know if you spend 89 pound on it, you're gonna get one pound on average so like maybe it doesn't pan out and maybe that cohort's a little bit worse and they don't they don't perform as well and they churn out after six months so you need to adjust for that reason but this is how all advertising works across everything Wow. That's crazy. I'm glad that we're doing this whole episode. I'm learning a lot, which I think leads me to the next part of the episode, which is if this whole ecosystem is decaying, is kind of falling apart, what happens next? I mean, I think there's a couple of minor things that happen, which are really interesting. One of them is the kind of crumbling of the uh, Google Facebook ad duopoly, because basically all online ad spending goes through one of those two, except a very small amount, but they own most of it. But a bunch of other ad companies have started to pick up stuff in particularly around like retail networks so amazon for example used to have like basically zero advertising network and now it's like has like seven percent of the entire industry which is interesting like that's something so that's one thing because everyone always thought that that will never break and i think that probably will break uh you also have people like tiktok coming in and kind of starting to carve away that 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 dominance from those two so that's really interesting but what the main thing i think for us that's interesting is what how it's going to affect those big tech companies because there was a period at the end of the, you know, what about 75% of the way through the pandemic when they were hiring like crazy. Yes. And they have now all gone through, well, they've either gone through hiring freezes or layoffs or, or pullbacks and all this sort of stuff. A lot of these platforms are like, so Meta has like started to sunset stuff. Snap was the big, was the big loser in this. I mean, they got rid of their little drone project. They laid off, I think, 20% of their workforce. Uh, it's happening across the entire industry. And it is really strange that every time, it's not even just with advertising, but it's like every time a new status quo of some kind appears on the internet, everyone at the top of the internet just assumes that like it's forever. 
And what's really strange is that it's not, obviously. It can't ever be, especially on the internet, which moves very fast. And it's very strange to me that we've had mainstream social media since, let's say, 2003, right? And we're still stuck in this bizarre push and pull between the advertising industry and the tech industry where neither of them can decide who's in charge. And they're just constantly like dragging each other into weird corners like this. Like this, like this didn't have to happen. Like it didn't no, have to go bust. It didn't. No, it didn't. But I, I also think that it, it, it kind of throws into a really interesting light a lot of the moves that tech companies have made over the last 18 months. Facebook being the most interesting one, maybe, because the information actually just published a thing where they reckon that Meta has spent $70 billion on the Metaverse. Like, that's the kind of the gamble that they're making. I saw that, yeah. Which, when you consider that in the light of, are they doing that because they saw advertising spike in the pandemic and go, awesome, we have money again, let's do a big thing. Or are they doing that in the light of, we have money again, but this is about to go and we are in big, big trouble and we are going to have to put all our chips on the table and go for it. I'm glad you br- I'm glad you brought this up. So I understand that I did just learn how a- digital advertising works about 10 minutes ago, but I want to talk through a theory and I want you to tell me what you think about it. So basically, I feel like one of the big issues around digital advertising is that unlike pre-internet advertising, you can't really promise like an Im- like a level of impact or a level of engagement. Uh, as well as you could like you can't really say like okay like there's not really a platform equivalent of prime time for instance like we can kind of do it yeah i think the the close the closest is probably something like used to be a youtube homepage takeover which a few years ago cost like 120 grand in the uk so it was like a lot of money but it was a big spot and it was there all day all that stuff but yeah right that's probably the closest and I think that's a large reason why you see so many video platforms getting caught inflating their numbers, particularly Facebook, because you kind of have to say like, you you have to sort of admit at a certain point that you cannot guarantee that your video has impact that's worth the price tag. And what I think is really interesting about the way that kind of works going forward is that I think Facebook has determined that to advertisers, the metaverse is basically the only way to promise something more immersive than video. Like if you go, if you go in terms of immersiveness, you have text, which is, you just read it, it kind of comes over, you have visuals. Okay. So it's a little, it's a little better than text. You have some audio. So you have like a radio ad or like a podcast ad. Okay, fine. You put it all together. You have a video ad. So obviously based on production value, media types, that has to be the most immersive. And I think Zuckerberg, you might be right. He might have looked at the balance sheets and been like, "Oh shit, like we are heading for an adpocalypse and we're going to we're in deep shit if we don't figure this out." And I wonder if he dug through a bunch of 90s sci-fi novels and was like, "What's the mo- more immersive thing than just video and it's a helmet you put on and we can just fill it with ads." That's what I think a lot of these companies are trying to do. I also think it explains why NFTs were so popular because it felt like some sort of new thing that they could promise advertisers that was somehow more immersive or more impactful than just a simple JPEG. Yeah, no, that makes exact sense. They're selling like the next level of of, of ad, which is yeah, an NFT or, or a metaverse thing. Which, I mean, the thing is though, is they've already done a bunch of tie-ins. The, also, the real metaverse is, is Fortnite because they've done the most successful tie-ins with like music releases and stuff. Do you play Fortnite? Uh, I did briefly when it came out, but like I would go back to it like after like 
three months and the maps had changed there were like 17 new weapons everything was like upside down and back to front i was like i don't know i don't if you don't stay with it it's like the actual getting back into a curve is like surprisingly high so i opened it when it first came to switch and i didn't know how to change my character i had never played a battle royale game before i was completely lost and i got dropped into a map I, i was like some like pretty lady with a gun i don't know and I didn't know how to do anything, and I immediately died, and I was like, this is awful, and I didn't play again. And then I opened it like two years later, and I didn't even know what was game and what was ad and what was trailer for new game. Like I could, I, I, I had no fr- – I've never felt so old in my entire life. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you got to kind of keep playing it on a regular basis to kind of just stay in touch. With, with what the hell is happening. Which I think makes it a really good metaversal platform because like yeah. you have to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, looking at the idea that a, a company would play an awful lot of money for like, I can see an ad in Fortnite carrying a lot of money. Like I do think that that is, is like worth something because those events are big and everyone on the map stops and watches Billie Eilish do a concert in... <laughs> Meta, the metaverse like sure the thing that i think is weird though is actually i mean actually this is a good point because you had the walmart metaverse thing i was just gonna say i would love to talk about what i think is the most inspiring development in capitalism this year which is the walmart land roblox map <laughs> let's do it <laughs> you know what i you know what i've really wanted included in my virtual casino for children a walmart i feel like that's the one thing that's missing from the deeply deeply toxic black market allegedly of the very litigious roblox yeah. <laughs> is a walmart <laughs> well also also a greg's is the, wait is there a greg's no oh okay well, for, that is it, actually missing to explain greg's is like the british We've definitely explained of, greg's before we have new listeners now All greg's right. is greg's is like the dunkin donuts of the uk and it's fantastic and i love it very deeply i'm gonna eat a lot of greg's in november so uh, we're gonna play like a quick clip from the Walmart Roblox uh, presentation just to give you a sense of how uh, grim and pathetic this is. Hey everyone, for those of you who may not recognize me as a Robloxian, I'm William White, Chief Marketing Officer at Walmart. And welcome to Walmart Land. We are so excited for you to explore and enjoy one of Walmart's newest digital experiences on Roblox, making the best of Walmart's aisles virtual. So, you know what this remi- all this stuff reminds me of, Luke? It reminds me of like that moment between 2009 and 2011 where every old like tech portal hired like a guy with Google Glass to talk about like why Nyan Cat was going to like help the Arab Spring. Yeah. You know like all those guys who are like they're they're, they're like the shingy era. It's 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 straight shingy. That's what it it's just pure shingy who honestly so if you don't know what we're talking about once again these uh, these guys called themselves tech evangelists and one of them he, he was he was actually a digital prophet i'm sorry that's right they were te- <laughs> i would like to interject that in this era my title for the company i worked for was digital video evangelist or i was director of digital video evangelism alan <laughs> that's your title Amazing. for the content minds now too <laughs> Director of video yeah. evangelism yeah. And, uh, for, for, for a yeah. podcast that doesn't have video. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> the, 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 the content minds fan base are called Unpaid Interns, and Alan's new title is Director of Video Evangelism. Great. Perfect. Cool. We're just building a, a 2009 media company. Guys, we should do like quirky lists about what it's like to work in the office together. But 
to come back to Shingy, Shingy had very large hair. That was like his defining thing. He had like Saiyan hair. He had like he had like Goku hair. But he was he, also like he was clearly an old man trying to look young. Like he was like clearly like forty five, but attempted to look twenty three, and it was bizarre. <laughs> he looked like he looked like a very old Goku wearing like. Like 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 Google Glass and like like ripped like um it was like that era where like you couldn't really buy skinny jeans yet so like he was wearing like Ed, like Ed Hardy jeans and then like a hoodie it was like there's a whole lot aesthetically going madness. on with him but also you know this ties in perfectly because at that point AOL was, its ad market was just starting to collapse yes and that was their panic they were hiring a shingy because they were like we're young we're cool we know what our deal is so the metaverse walmart's appearance in the roblox universe is facebook's shingy yes so fun fact about this era i feel i feel bad about it now but like when i was like 21 like i still didn't really understand that like people ran twitter accounts so i just treated like corporate Twitter accounts is something to scream at all day. And there was like one afternoon where like AOL announced like some redesign to their website and it was like really awful. And I just like mercilessly made fun of it for like an hour on Twitter until the AOL Twitter account just tweeted, come on, man. (laughs) 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 If whoever, I think, I think I later found out who ran that account when like we talked and I just want to once again say I'm really sorry, but like I, I did screenshot AOL's verified drug. I'll be like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think you're exactly right. I think that there is a there's an impending digital ad cliff about to happen or currently happening. I think platforms are going to get hit the hardest because their overhead's the highest and like their value is the least clear towards the future, especially as tastes, I think, among consumers are changing in terms of what they want out of a platform. You know, like if my girlfriend didn't use Instagram and my immediate family didn't use Instagram, I probably would never be on it. I don't use Instagram. I know you don't. I I, I essentially use it as a proof of life (laughs) for like (laughs) close people in my life. But other than that, like I don't have any value from it. I spend most of my time talking to people now in group chats or on Discord. And most of my uh, let's call it algorithmic entertainment is coming from platforms like YouTube, like TikTok, uh, readers like Reddit, smaller places, more personalized places. And, you know, like actually the other day, my dad was asking me like how to do something on Facebook and I couldn't even remember how to do it. Like it was like using a Windows computer for the first time in like 15 years. It was like, I know that I used to be able to use Facebook, but there's so much gizmos and gadgets and hoo-hahs that i had no idea how to do with the thing he was trying to do so i just yeah. was like i mean we yeah we've talked about this before but coming into that uh, that environment and now looking at what facebook is it's just it's madness weirdly it's similar to opening up Fortnite for the first time in two years but <laughs> I, with much less of a clear utility like you open up Fortnite and you're like people are shooting at me or travis scott's walking around being like you know 100 feet tall there's clearly something going on here whereas with facebook i don't get that impression and so I guess like to kind of like round the corner here before before we end this week, like, do you think the immediate ramifications of this will be good or bad? I mean, historically, the best indicator of an incoming recession is local ad sales collapsing because they are the quickest to turn around and quickest to stop on things. So that's that's what a, a recession that means recession. So from that perspective. Ad market drops, we have a recession coming. Fine, I think we probably knew that. For tech companies, I mean, I think that 
I feel like one company will have a big problem and I suspect that it's Snap and I think that this might be the thing that does for Snapchat. I suspect that Meta will figure out a way through because it just has so much revenue. But I also think that the ad, global ad duopoly is, does look like it's it's over or it's declining and I think that's that's going to be really interesting. I will say, based on the last recession, and it's amazing that uh, I've lived through one already, what isn't talked about a lot, but I think it's also because we didn't really have enough distance on it. The internet culture, the landscape of the internet that we talk to, we talk about every week during the last recession, it basically created the one that we're still in, you know, Occupy Wall Street, Arab Spring, the death of MySpace and the, and the ascendance of Facebook, the sort of like the, the front page of the internet fication of Reddit, the, 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 the news like artery that Twitter became the, 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 the viral music video era of like Gangnam style, all of those things pretty much start around 2007, 2008. And we're in the right position for things like that to happen again. And obviously like when that starts to happen, it's going to start really affecting the way like advertising works and recessions aren't good. I'm not saying that like a recession is worth this, but I mean, in a certain sense, if a recession is, coming and the digital ad markets are collapsing and these platforms are cratering, there's going to be uh, moments where like everything kind of changes and it sets a new status quo that does last for quite a while. Unlike, you know, pandemic era internet traffic. So I'm, I'm curious to, to, to try to put as bright a spin on a looming global economic collapse as I can. Like I am curious, like what this generation's version of Occupy Wall Street or, or this generation's version of, even like something awful or 4chan, like like we're, we're not we're, we're about to see that. I think I don't I don't want a global economic collapse at all. But I think like the internet reacts. In but if it's ways. gonna happen, it'll yeah. Be if fun. it's gonna happen, it could be cool. Yeah, <laughs> we might get good memes out of it. Uh, speaking of content, hey Luke, is there any content you consume to stay sane this week? Okay, uh, I I don't have anything else to add. You okay? Yeah, no. fine. Well, Alan, did you consume any content this week to stay sane? Just to tie it all together, I've been making my way through the History Channel show Vikings, and I've gotten to the point where they sacked Paris, and I enjoyed it, but I had some quibbles with the representation of how they showed the Viking warriors sacking Paris because it's not historically huh. accurate. That's fascinating. Did they, did, did they ever get to Istanbul in that series? No, the whole Viking series is all like the Western thing, which I've also been reading another book about. I hadn't really considered this, but all of Viking and Norse history is sort of cleaved in half into like what's going on in the Western part of Europe and what's going on in the Eastern part of Europe. And that's directly just because of the Iron Curtain, that all the scholarship on that either happened on one side of the Iron Curtain huh. or the other. But that's the only reason why we think of East and West Norse people as being different. Is It's a product of 20th century that politics. Is fascinating. That is fascinating. Wow. Well, that's our topic for next week.
I want to give a shout out to our last editor, Seven Morris. He was fantastic. Please seek out his other projects. He was great. And I want to thank Alan for coming on and providing the the lovely soundscapes that will be hitting your ear holes going forward. Uh, we're very excited to have him. Uh, I also want to once again ask for you to vote for us for a Lovey Award, which we were nominated for. Luke is not allowed to talk about why he thinks People's Choice Awards are not good. Please go vote for <laughs> us. Uh, if we win, we can go to an award show and wear suits together, which we've only done once before. And that's our real goal out of all of this. Also, I can now announce this. We will be performing in London on November 10th. We will have details for you very shortly about who the guests are. It's very exciting. We have a fantastic lineup. But set your calendars for November 10th in King's Cross. And we will have a whole bunch of information for you next week. Uh, But I think it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, And maybe I'll try to convince Luke to wear something other than a white shirt and black pants. No, that's that's what I wear. So it would be weird to change. Well, what if I wore the same thing? Would you become embarrassed and wear something different? Will you be wearing my uniform? Oh, I see. Okay, well... All right. Well. I'd be winning. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. If you want to go hear our bonus episode, you can go to thecontentminds.com and subscribe there. We do bonus content every week. It's fun. You'll like it. If you like this, you'll like it. And I think very soon we're going to be talking about She-Hulk. So for any Marvel fans who have been checked out because of uh, Game of Thrones stuff, we're going to talk about She-Hulk because I have thoughts about She-Hulk. But I want to wait. She- wait, are we talking we t- no, about She-Hulk week. next? Okay, I'm, right. I'm teasing future episodes. Good, because I am episodes behind because I cannot make it through them. I also need to talk to you about Andor because it's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. It's yeah, I, I, I need to. I have not watched Andor yet, but I need to catch up on it. It's I'm abandoning book. She-Hulk. I'm abandoning the Rings of Power. It's all about Andor. Uh, I didn't even try. I didn't even try. I've never read Tolkien. I've never watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's it's nerd stuff. I don't watch that stuff. It's unlistable. Right. <laughs> <Watchable, laughs> See you guys. Unwatchable. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye bye. Yeah.